Alright, set aside prayer. <laughs> Finally. Let's go. God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, my unmanageability, my spiritual path, and you for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my unimaginability, my spiritual path, and especially you. Thank you. Welcome to the purpose of this book, Big Book Study. My name is Miner, and I'm still an alcoholic. Hey, Miner. Miner. With me are my co-chairs. Mark, alcoholic. Hi, Mark. Hi. David, alcoholic. Hi, David. Hey, David. I'm David. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, David. <laughs> we record the audio of these studies and upload them usually within a few days. Find links, past recordings, and other information at www.purposeofthisbook.com. If you are on Zoom, please mute yourself if you are not already. We start the book, we start the meeting with two quotes about the purpose of this book, which is the name of our study. From the forward to the first edition to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And from There is a Solution, page 20, doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. Um, if we could get the basket going around for the seventh tradition, which states we are self-supporting through our own no, contributions. No, no, no. <laughs> Donations are now... We're going to the church. We're not, not seventh tradition anymore. Pass the basket to collect donations for our venue. See, I'm go. already off the script. <laughs> we'll talk to you about it after, bro. I promise this is not a significant change. Uh, ask if we have any recovery anniversaries. Yeah. Oh, one. Oh, Obviously. Anniversaries. <laughs> Seven months for Owen. Sixty days for Miranda. Anybody else? This is a non-fellowship specific study of the program of recovery in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read and emphasize the instructions, promises, prayers, questions, warnings, and other important information. We believe that we cannot get well unless we know what is wrong with us, what the solution is to the problem, and what the action is to get to the solution. Fortunately, the answers are in the book. We are not experts, and none of these thoughts are ours. Everything we share has been given us by the fellowship. The big book was written a long time ago, and there are un some unfamiliar words. As needed, we will give the definition from a big book dictionary. Please ask any time for us to pause and look up a word. Tonight, our dictionary person is... 
Heather, alcoholic. Hey, Heather. If you have questions, please ask and we'll do our best to answer. If we don't know or the question is off topic, we promise to get back to you after the study. Occasionally, we'll check in with the group to see if anyone has comments. Please save your comments until we specifically ask for them, and then come speak into the mic so the people online can hear. Please keep any comments tightly related to what we are talking about today. And we're moving on to today's reading, which is on page 76, right in the middle of the yep, page. right smack dab in the middle, starts with now. Do we want to read anything, David? Anything? Um, well, we just, we, uh, I'm David, I'm an alcoholic. Um, so yeah, we just, we did a review. Well, what we did here is we did a four step. We sat down with our sponsor, did a fifth step, found out what are the things that are blocking me in our fourth column. And then when we got ready to look at six, um, a lot of times in alcoholics, in, 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 uh, in meetings I hear people go and say things like, I'm working on my sixth step. There's, this is, this is not a self-help program. This is a God-help program. I'm taking these things to God because we're finding out the things that I found that were objectionable to me in my fourth column. God is going to remove those. This is me, this is me and then in the, in the beginning of the eighth step here, we're going to talk about faith without works is dead. This is me really leaning on my faith and really getting a relationship with power right now. The dramatic writing changes in the sixth step is talking about power flowing in. We're going to talk about that more and more and more as we keep going through this book here. So we're talking about in the sixth step, um, we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. So again, we're talking about another more willingness. This is our prayer. And uh, as we read on a little bit, and now we're, it says, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we find are objectionable? Can we now take them all, everyone? Will he take them all? i I got to ask myself that question. And if we're still clinging to something, we will not let go. We ask God, that's our six-step prayer, God to help us be willing. So if I'm clinging to something, I can write it on a piece of paper, pray for the willingness. That's the prayer that I'm supposed to say there. And then in the seventh step, we just did a six-step, one paragraph, seventh step, when is ready. When is ready, is that when all my ducks are in a row or when my circumstances all change? No, when ready is when I'm done uh, uh, cleaning the things that are blocking me. That's when ready is. And then we say the seven-step prayer. Um, it's personal. It's private. It's a prayer that I say to uh, every day. And now we're getting ready to do the seven-step, or the eight-step. And we, then we're going to find out, as we do the eight-step and ninth, why do we do this work? We're going to find out why we're doing this work here in the uh, ninth-step, soon, very soon. So uh, just before we get in here, so it's, it's sort of interesting the first time in the book, it's introducing two steps at the same time. And what we're going to see as we start reading about it is it's not going to be a lot of content about the eighth step. It's going to be just a little bit, and then really the focus is going to be on the ninth step. Right? And um, part of that is because we're going to find out most of the work that we need to do to, do, to, to execute the eighth step Right, he did in the fourth step. Sort of easier, softer way to approach step work, which we all like. And we haven't, it's been a few weeks since we looked at some of our tools. Uh, so um, in my sponsorship group, I guess for lack of a better noun, um, we studied on Sunday and we looked at this piece of paper here. You guys online can't see it, but we'll show it to you in a minute. It's an eight-step worksheet. 
So uh, as we did when we were working through the fourth step with this tool, a way to record the contents of your uh, fourth step and eighth step, we've got a, a sort of a Joe and Charlie inspired uh, spreadsheet approach for that too. Okay. Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Thank you. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any length for victory over alcohol. And, and just to add to that, step eight, let's just verbalize it here. Made a list of all persons we had harmed. That's the first part. Second part, and became willing to make amends to them all. So we talk about... Second sentence there says, uh, faith without works is dead. If you look back at what Dr. Bob's story looked like a little bit, so Dr. Bob had a lot of faith. He was part of the Oxford group. They prayed for him every week. You know, they did all this, um, all these spiritual things, all this religious stuff. And faith without works is dead comes from the King James Bible. It's like uh, King James 2, 14 through 16 or something like that. But the, the point is, is like they prayed for him, but until Bill brought him the mess, this message that of with the body, the mind, and the spirit, Bob wasn't getting sober. He only, he, he didn't know what the problem was. He knew what the solution was, but he didn't know what the problem is. Maybe, remember back on page 17, uh, in the bo bottom paragraph, that the second, par second to last paragraph and the bottom paragraph, it talks about what the problem is. We need to know that. But we also need to know what the, the common solution is that we all can agree upon is how it's stated. So I need to know what the problem is and what the, and what the solution is. So faith without works is dead. I can have all the faith in the whole wide world, but God is not going to do for me what I can do for myself. In other words, I can do this work here, guys, with the help of a sponsor or a, spirit or a step guide, and then I can get the guide and he can solve all my problems. Just to add to that, right? remember, that was Dr. part of Dr. Jung's critical message to Roland. Almost every week we go back to page 27. right? Pre-12-step recovery, Dr. Jung knew what the solution was for someone who couldn't stop drinking. It was the vital spiritual experience. But he didn't know how to give it to Roland or anybody else. And, and when he was explaining this to Roland, Roland was like, oh, good, I go to church, I love my church, um, I'm going to have no problem. And Dr. Jung said, oh, no, no, no. You may be into your particular system of faith, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you're here with me where you can't stop drinking. The way you were approaching religion did not spell the vital spiritual experience, right? He didn't do the work then of the Oxford groups, now our 12 steps, and then, you know, continuing living in those disciplines and being of service to get to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life and to, to, to stay sustained. So also in here, too, after this says, let's look at steps 8 and 9. We made a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we were willing to make amends. We made them, we took inventory. So... In my case, anyways, and it doesn't have to be this way. It's just the book is suggesting to do this. When I'm sitting down with my sponsee, and he's got all these harms of all these people. I'm making a list of those things. 
he can add to them. He's going to. They're going to ask us to do that uh, next paragraph, anyways. But we already have our list, or or not. You know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying there's an opportunity here for me to already have my list already done, and that's kind of what they're suggesting here. And we subject ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. This is the first intent of the ninth step, that we we're going to go out and. and clear up the records of our past. This is the first intent that they're bringing to our attention. And then at the bottom of that paragraph, it says, if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. That's a prayer. Mm. That's the eight-step prayer. And remember, they're going to remind us here, remember, because on page 58, they told us this already. They asked us this. It was agreed at the beginning. We go to any lengths for victory over alcohol, and that's an italic ready. We should pay attention to that. They reminded us again, like I said, in chapter 5 and 58, and it's just to remember why do we got to remember? Because we alcoholics, addicts, have short memories. That's why. So we have a list of all persons we've harmed to whom we're willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. So first of all, that first part of that sentence is presuming a lot. We have a list of all persons we've harmed. Yes, we certainly do if we did the fourth step thoroughly and honestly. Now the second part of that sentence, and to whom we're willing to make amends. As you read that, Bill is supposing that by this point in the book and in our step work on page 76, we're already willing. Right? And as we talked about in our group on Sunday, that's not always the case. Uh, frequently, there's a couple outliers, and we're going we're gonna to see that. So I just want to talk about the list. So this summary of harm sheet. Um, I can email it to you. Probably a bunch of you guys have it from when we were doing this earlier, but I can send it to you. It's truly a summary of the harms. There's three columns. A person I harmed. Which inventory did it come from? So resentment, fear, sex. And how did I harm them? The reason why I call it a summary of harms, and sort of, it's a little different than how Joe and Charlie did it, because I'm, I'm trying to stay true to the book, but also have a practical approach. And so one, because what, what happens when I sit down with the sponsee, and they fill this, they've got all their stuff in four, and I say, get it summarized in eight. Heather may have... You know, 20 things about her mom that she had on her four-step list, resentments. But of those 20, she might have only harmed her in one or two ways, right? So I want a nice, clean, consolidated approach that also we can organize, right? And this is, that's going to be part of what you're going to talk about in nine. We set an order to go about making these amends. So if you summarize them here, it makes it easier for us to then just sit down and say, here's pile one, here's pile two, pile three. And like David say, the book doesn't really say how to do this. There are lots of sponsors and speakers talk about sort of using flashcards, and they use that to make piles. I don't really care, right? If, if I had a sponsee who was dying to use flashcards instead of this, I don't care as long as they're doing it all, and they're doing it thoroughly and honestly. Right? And the other thing is why this sheet is needed, not only to summarize what comes out of the fourth step, but there are always, 100% of the time, harms to add to our eight-step list that didn't show up in the fourth step. Right? I had no resentment against uh, Dominic's when I worked there, but I stole inventory from them. They went on my eight-step list because I had to go and give them money. Right? I had no resentment against my high school radio station when I stole a stack of CDs from them. I still harmed them. I stole. I had to return that stuff. You know, and in looking around the room, I know enough about each of your stories. You guys have all done stuff like that, too. Got into fights, stole. We all stole, right, at some point, small or big, we stole. That stuff... Rarely associated with the four-step, got to go on this list too. Fill in the blanks. Yeah, to David's point there, it is exactly right. So 
in that paragraph it says we have a list of all the people we've harmed uh, to whom we're willing to make amends. So we, it, I had a sponsor who burned my fourth step. You know, after cool. I got done with my fifth, that's what he said. You know, and I, and I didn't know any different. Well, why would I do that? Because then everything in that first column is all the names of possibly all the people I may have harmed. Exactly. And then, so I don't have to do the work twice. And then, as David said, uh, to uh, Dominic's, they had a, um, no resentment against, but he has stole from, we suggested ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. So that's how I know I have to still look back at my past, see all the things that I have harmed, who I stole from, how I harmed them, and then I'm going to go forward in the ninth step, and they're going to give me directions on pretty much any kind of men possible. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's nothing that they don't cover. So, um, But yeah, they, sell, they have to have that drastic self-appraisal. How about drastic and self-appraisal? All right, give me a minute. Sure. Okay. I can keep going. Okay, so, I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, while she's taking a minute, um, I want to go back up to that first paragraph. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. And that last sentence in that paragraph, it says, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us to be willing. So my experience with this book and with willingness is there's a distinction between identifying a character defect that I believe that I want God to take and being willing to allow God to take it. There's a distinction there. And then it says in that paragraph that we just read, if we have the will to do this, mm. if, if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. God will take it. The key is, is I have to let it go. I have to be willing to allow God to take it from me. If I'm, you know, it's not all behavior if I'm still doing it. I, am, I have to be willing to say, God, I've identified this. I don't want to be a liar anymore. So I have to stop lying if God's going to take that character defect from me. Hmm. If I don't want to be a thief anymore, I have to stop stealing. And what does that mean? That means time from work. That means the most minuscule avocado. <laughs> You know, right? Um, you know that story. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an all or nothing kind of thing. It really is. And it's not necessarily a switch that gets flipped either, but I've got to catch myself when I'm doing it. You know, it's that honesty. Honesty for me took a long, long time for me to really get really honest. I'm still working on that. It is definitely not a switch that just gets flipped. But when we identify those character defects, the genie's out of the bottle, folks. We can't put her back in. You know, it's time to look at it. It's time to say, am I going to continue to live like this? And if I am continuing to live like that, am I willing then to be willing to ask God to give me the willingness to let that go, to stop doing that? And how are we going to make any amends if we're still doing those behaviors? Nobody there you is go. Gonna, you know, we have to do those living amends so that we can... Um. <laughs> Preach. I'm with you. I had a guy I sponsored years ago, and he used to say something like this. He'd say, uh, those are old behaviors. And uh, like uh, one of his sponsors, he said to him, he goes, well, this is an old behavior. He goes, it's not an old behavior unless you've changed it. <laughs> it's still the same behavior, guys. <laughs> i got to change all those old behaviors, as you said. And I have to be aware of them, because how am I ever going to grow in effectiveness and understanding of what God's will is for me if I'm blocked from God's will? So do we have drastic self-appraisal? Drastic. Extreme, severe, or radical. Taking 
effect violently or rapidly, and that's what the old dic dictionary talks about is violently. Um, and oh. then... It's kind of a visceral description, right? Okay. Right. Well, maybe we'll stick with extreme instead yeah. of violent. Self-appraisal, assessment, estimate, evaluation, judgment, evaluation. In, in extreme, we subjected ourselves to an extreme self-evaluation. Estimation of oneself would probably be the best one, huh? What about debris? <laughs> Garbage. All right, so yeah, garbage. What, so what's the point here, guys? What's the okay. point of this of this continued work? We're getting a little why statement here. We attempt to sweep away the debris. We have debris. Um, not yet. Okay. Garbage. Garbage. Good enough. We attempt to sweep away the garbage which has accumulated. It's trash. Trash. Okay, thank you. We're hoarding our character defects. Which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. Right? These metaphors and analogies that have come up multiple times in the book to give us an illustration of how we've been going through lives, Bill is hitting it again. Right? All of our fears, all of our, um, all of our resentments, uh, our sex harms, all that work that we chronicled right in, in four and shared in five. Failure of self-reliance, over-extreme focus on self, selfishness, self-centeredness, right? Uh, self-will, self-pity. Right? And again, guys, I say this so frequently. We bring this up so we realize who we have been. We don't have to be these people anymore. The point is not to make ourselves feel awful. I've, I've like whenever people want to bash AA, they're like. Oh, they make you, you know, go in and say all these things, make you feel like shit. I'm like, no. When I looked at that stuff, nobody had to convince me that I was selfish. I filled in that last column myself. I had my psychic change going on. I realized, oh yeah, when I took from this person, when I when I said this, when I instigated that, that was self, 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 self. Nobody did that stuff for me. It was so freeing to realize I had this problem because as soon as I spot it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not going to have to live this way anymore. Right? So have this catharsis. Have this shift and say, yeah, I was selfish. I was self-centered. I was egocentric. I was fearful. I don't have to be that person anymore. How much freedom and hope is there in that? You know, and am I doing this work to find a power greater than myself? Or am I doing this work to find a power greater than myself that, that will solve my problems? Or am I doing this work to find the power um, so that uh, I can solve my problems? Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that's where the, the question really lies, you know? And I'm not going to do real well with that second one. <laughs> I'm not going right. to be able to. I've tried that one before. <laughs> it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. For about 37 years. <laughs> page 62, it talks about it. But also, to David's point there, too, it's the dramatic switch in the writing was on the top of this page. You know, up to this point, we're selfish, we're full of resentment, we're full of fear, and we're powerless. But now the drastic switch in the writing has started. Power is flowing in at this point. We're getting these things that are, that are that are blocking us are being removed by a power greater than myself so that I can have all the freedom. Mark Houston's favorite saying, I believe, is, and uh, at least I think it is, how free do you want to be? How free do you want to be? Continue doing this work. When I continue doing this work, if I am making all my amends, which absolutely is positively something I can do, I have done them, and, and then work in the disciplines of 10 and 11 and 12, how free do you want to be? 
You know, and I think this work makes our uh, our character defects really stand out because now when I'm in line at a grocery store and I, <laughs> I see somebody, you know, in, in the checkout with, with 15 items in the 10 item lane, I, I realize that, like, I'm being really selfish right now because, you know, maybe something's going on in this person's life or maybe they didn't count their items. And, and here I am, you know, picking on them for having too many items or, or too many coupons. I find it categorically impossible to imagine that by the time we're working on our eight-step list, we're not experiencing the power of God. Because if I can really look myself in the mirror and know that I did all the work to this point thoroughly and honestly, that's not old David. There is no way, there is no way that I could be that introspective about that column and to be developing the willingness to go out and right my wrongs. There is no way. That's God. I tell you guys all the time that spiritual awakening is not a waterfall moment somewhere when you get to step 12. It starts in two, and it's a widening, widening, widening. And by the time I'm in eight, it's getting pretty broad. I'm, I'm bouncing around, taking up more room on that broad highway. And, and so remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol, on Sunday, again, when we were studying this, I said, bless you, show, bless you. I said, show of hands, who had held on to some resentments by the time you got to eight that you weren't willing to, uh, willing to make? I'll ask the group here. Who's done this at eight and had some you weren't willing to go to? Yeah. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Guys, don't kid yourselves, right? 100%. There's always at least that one. Okay, Great. The book doesn't say at this point you should have no reservation. What it says is, if you haven't the will to do it, that one or that ten or that hundred, hopefully it's closer to one than a hundred, we ask until it comes, ask God. Right? Don't ask your sponsor, don't ask your kids, don't ask yourself. Ask God. I think I've regained the resentment. I need to go again. <laughs> oh my God. Willingness is indispensable. Indispensable. Yeah. Yeah. Indispensable. Indispensable. Absolutely necessary. There you go. There you go. Good job. Yes. All right. One paragraph. Uh, I thought it was already seven. <laughs> we could keep going, but let's move on. Okay. Probably there are still some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have heard, we may feel different. No, nope. diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured to some people we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. We might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. A pause there. Such a long paragraph. There's a pause. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. So before we jump in, do you want to give us diffident? Yeah, diffident, lacking self-confidence, hesitant in acting or speaking uh, through lack of confidence. So as we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we've heard, family's not even mentioned there. Maybe Bill's given us sort of a, a little break on the reality of that we may feel that we have a lack of self-confidence about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. And that's just it. So I can go to them in a different way. I don't have to sit there and 
praise Jesus or something like that. I can go to them and say, I'm part of a 12-step program, and this is part of the process of me clearing up the records of my past. And if I don't do this, I will not be able to stay sober. Short, sweet, to the point. No one's going to argue with that for me. Um, first of all, I don't have a, probably a lot of experience to talk about much farther in the book, but to this point, I know what I've studied, and I can share that experience with them. I am not going to stay sober if I don't do this work. I don't think anyone, and me saying I'm sorry to someone, of course they're going to say, yeah, I know you're sorry, you've always been sorry. That's not what the amends we're going to get into is. An amends means to change. So, if you're lacking self, if I'm lacking self-confidence about going to people on a spiritual basis, I can be reassured the book saying that some people we need not and probably should not emphasize a spiritual feature on our first approach. Think about the practicality of this. Okay, it says we might prejudice them. It goes on to say, but how many outlandish things did we say to the people in our lives in the years leading up to this? And now we go and say, oh, I've got religion. Abby said that to Bill. It was a different time and it was a different experience. And maybe with you know a different sort of program, he would have used a different noun. Who knows? It is not the recipient of our amend doesn't need to know the why of it. That's not relevant. The more I say how much I need to do this for me, the more it reinforces a selfish approach. This is about cleaning up what we did to them. And this, this is so huge here. This is the mechanics of this leading into the spirituality of it. The mechanical part is, at the moment, we're trying to put our lives back in order from being a wreck to being something, someone stable and helpful. But this is not an end in itself. Right? So the mechanics, the going through the motions, the exercise of it, is not really what we're after here. A real purpose. Micro, about the ninth step. Really, the entire program recovery. Mm -hmm. A real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Maximum service. And it gets so excited when I read that. And I want to like ah, emphasize it. This is not, this program recovery, guys, this, the reason why we get up here and we harp and we go over the same stuff over and over and over is like, we have to beat into our heads. This is not a one and done approach. This is not a I get served approach. This is I come in and I get served. I get my cup filled because I desperately need it so I don't go home and drink or drug again tonight. But then to sustain that, I must figure out through prayer and meditation how to be of maximum service to God and everybody else. If I put the minimum effort in, we talked about this on Sunday too. Sunday must have been pretty good. I have all these memories of it. At least I thought so. Minimum effort, going to get me minimum results. Right? Half measure is going to avail me nothing. So as I'm going through my day, right, or like you're calling your sponsor, you're talking, like if Heather calls me, it's like I'm having a bad day, I'm always going back to her and saying, tell me what you were doing in your program today, right? I mean... And it's usually, well, I overslept and I didn't pray, right? It's these things. I'm always like, call some people, say some prayers, and call me back. And she'll tell you nine times out of ten. She'll just text me like I'm feeling better. Maximum service is not saying a quick three and seven and then go and have my coffee and, and start and working and get my head spinning. Maximum service is not making a couple of phone calls, getting voicemail, and then going back and sitting on the couch. Work and self-sacrifice for others 
is what we really need to explore when we talk about maximum service. If we go back to page 20, it says, Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. And it is either Joe or Charlie or Mark Houston or one of these other great speakers that talks about we can't always immediately help someone like when we're in our own crisis moment. If I'm working the 10th step and I'm watching for fear and selfishness and all those other things that I've got to watch for, I have to, I have to spot it. Right? And maybe put it in your app. I know this is the 21st of century approach to it. But the idea is the book tells us to turn our thoughts. I've got to get out of the thoughts about me. It's got to start by saying, oh, Heather needs some help. Well, Mark needs some help. Sam needs some help. Turn it. Get out of my stuff. That's going to start to erode the process of me digging myself deeper into that hole that I'm already sitting in. And then because I'm thinking about how I'm going to help you, typically I'm going to follow it up with action. How am I going to do some work and some self-sacrifice to help you? Sometimes a phone call is enough. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes i got to pick you up and we're going to hang out or we're going to go to a meeting or you know, we're going to talk something through. Who knows? Right? There could be several dozen or a million different ways. But turning the thoughts. So we find out through our uh, fourth step that selfishness and self-centeredness is really the root of all our troubles, which it tells us on page 62. So if that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our troubles, and we just found that out, now we need to focus on other-centeredness and God-centeredness. You know, remove the selfishness and self-centeredness, replace it with God and other-centeredness. And, um, you know, as, as to what David was saying, to, to do this this triangle and circle check, or check you know, See how well we're, we're doing each side of that triangle. You know, are, are, we, are we doing the unity piece? Are we, are we doing the uh, fellowship piece? Are we doing the recovery piece? Is it equilateral? Hmm. You know? Um, or is it isosceles? Right? <laughs> Which is not good, according to Chrissy. Right? I'd like to know, is there a third <laughs> triangle shape that we can incorporate into this? <laughs> right? Those are the only two we know so far. So yeah, so we talked about this a lot already. David and Heather touched on it. So I really pondered home actually with a sledgehammer, and it's appropriate. Go. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and and the people about us. I always thought that I, and this is why we're doing the nice step. They're they're pointing out why we're doing this. I thought I'm making this amendment so I feel better about myself. Mm. They're going to give us direction. And they gave us a lot of direction up to this point about praying. This is setting me up because i got to pray about these amends I'm going to make. I don't know what this person is going through in their life that I own amends to. I can't just go barging into people's life and think that they're going to stop their day or stop their week or stop their month or stop this time period that I try to set an appointment with them. I don't know what's happening in their life right at that time. So I have to pray for the right time to make this amends. This is me working on my faith and my, and my relationship with a higher power. I can't just like open up the door to, to a relationship from 30 years ago with some woman that I maybe dated and now she's married and has children and not, I'm not even a thought in her mind and I'm just going to go knock on her door. It's not about me feeling better about myself. This is about me being maximum service to God. I'm not allowed to harm more people here. So th- this, is, this is where I'm really going to go to. I think for me the eighth step prayer is a, or the eighth step in itself is just as vital as the fifth step for a sponsor. I'm going to look at that list. We're going to go over it. I'm not going to edit the guy, your list. That's not what I'm going to do. 
But I'm going to ask you if you prayed about these things. I'm going to ask you about the things that you're willing to make, the people you're willing to make amends to, and the people you're not. Make two lists. And when will you be ready to make the, the amends to the people that you're not willing to make amends to? When you start making the amends for the ones you are willing to. The willingness will come. That's just my experience. It just starts to come. But I got to start making these amends. And again, I got to pray about these things because I don't know what's happening in other people's lives. Mm. It's just not right for me to go barging into people's lives from 30 years or 10 years or a week ago even. And we have to ask for permission and explain what we're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely right. The very reason the eight and nine are where they're at is because we don't have that. Right. Oh, exactly right. As eager as we are to do it at the beginning, because we'd love to run out immediately and start telling people how sorry we are. Um, we are in no position because we still have so full of self to handle a possible rejection or um, we have an expectation on that, how that person should accept it or not accept it. And um, I'm still on, I'm still admitting that I'm powerless. You know, I'm going to freak out if somebody doesn't take it the way they should. I don't even so know how to make power. an amends. I don't even know how to do this. I think right. I do, right? right? Like, right to your point, I know how to say I'm sorry. That is not what this is about. This is about amends means if I was, when you amend the Constitution, we're not apologizing to the Constitution. We're making a change to the Constitution. The same thing is here. I'm making a change. So I, I will have the ability to do nine when I'm nine. Now we're going to read all the things about all the amends possible, or pretty much possible, and it will give me direction on how to do them things here. There's a God consciousness about me. There is a patience that, that didn't even come close to existing. Exactly right. When I thought I was ready to, to run out and apologize or change, think I changed. Well, we can't. I can't be screaming at my mom yesterday and criticizing her, and then um, and then tomorrow come to her and make amends. She she is not going to to hear one word I say. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. I'm out of amends. So I'm working for my employer. I go to him and I say, Hey, I just I you know last year I stole five hundred dollars from you, and uh, you know I go through the whole process and, and set the whole thing up before that. But I tell him I have to pay back the five hundred dollars. That doesn't mean I get to do it again next week. <laughs> or again, or, you know, just because it's fifty dollars, or I stole a tool, this doesn't mean that. It means complete change. Yeah. The and behavior we, needs to change. And this gets hammered a little bit more in the tenth step. It, yeah. Right. I mean, so why don't we wrap up this paragraph? It is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. We lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores. We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. But our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. Yep. Show me. Yeah. Demonstration is action. Yep. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify this sentence a little bit here. But our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. We qualify that to say that's not a promise. Because sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes we go to people and ask them, can I make things right with you? Can I offer you amends? And sometimes they say, no. So in that case, they don't want to hear it because maybe they heard too many sorries and sweet promises before. 
they may not be impressed. Sometimes, like with financial amends, they might be willing to take the money. And maybe after we pay them back over a few weeks or months or years, maybe that's the demonstration and maybe they'll hear the rest of it. We cannot force this to happen because in doing so, we'll we'll create more harms. Sometimes a true amend is staying away. And I don't know how I affected them. I I assume I know how I I harmed you, but I don't know how that affected you. I need to ask that question too during the amends process. How did this affect you? You know, and, and then was there any other harms that I had done? You know, these questions, then how do I make this, this, this wrong that I've caused you, how do I make this right? And I have to shut up and listen after all those questions I just asked. Um, the prize ring is a boxing ring. Um, the ring for a prize fight, so it's just a boxing and I'll, I'll, the religious bores is to force with action. So, you know, religiously forcing with action people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. Want to do one more? Yeah. I okay. Let's do it. Please. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. Hmm. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. So it's important to stay in context as we get direction from the book. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. That's the sentence. But the next sentence, again, is sort of conditional and qualifies. When it will serve any good purpose, we're willing to announce our convictions spiritual convictions with tact and common sense. So first of all, I suspect if you're anything like me, tact and common sense were not always in abundance as things came out of my mouth. Okay? I would like to think that after some age and some experience, those are stronger areas for me. So when I'm working with a sponsee and we're talking about how to give some of these amends, how to introduce them, I try to, I think this is my role as sponsor, counsel in a little bit of tact and common sense. Because it's very easy to be high emotion in these situations, and we may have great plans, but if we haven't really thought out how we're going to approach and what we're going to say, again, we can cause more harms. And tact is discernment of what to do or say in dealing with others, an ability to deal with others without causing offense. Mm. And typically I have no common sense, so I know what that is. Um, so it, actually that's how I should present myself, with tact and common sense. Yeah. That's how I'm going to present myself in that, in that thing. And this page here and the next page too is, are the people that we hated or the resented? 
you know, I think there's six examples of uh, amends here on the next uh, couple pages. This is page 77 and page 78 are going to cover the people we hate, we have a resentment to. And as we went down, um, it says, it may, be, it may be he has done us more harm than we have done him, and though he may have acquired a better attitude toward him. So remember in the fifth step, I found out that I'm spiritually sick. They may also be spiritually sick, right? I've got to consider that too. I've got to consider the other person. And then as I go down, we are still not keen about admitting our faults, nevertheless, with a person we dislike. Remember early in the book, I mean, I can never fix hatred with hatred. I've got to go, I, I can't stress this enough. Anytime I go to a ninth step or even looking at my eighth step list, I have got to go to prayer first. I have got to go to prayer for the right time. i got to have trust in, in God here that I'm going to do this at the right time. My experience has always been a, a really successful Really successful ninth step amends. I've never had anyone throw me, me personally, out of their office or their home. Mm-hmm. And then um, in the bottom of that page is um, it talks about uh, we go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit. That's a good attitude to have. Mm-hmm. Confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. So some d- direction here. Just going to some resummarize some of the things David was saying there. Here's some direction. When it will serve a good purpose. We can announce our spiritual convictions. As we have this conversation, we're going to approach with tact and common sense. Uh, we What was that last one you just did? Uh, there was one more. Oh, go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, what was it? Five, six different sort of directions, terms, approaches, thoughts. Maybe... This is a little cue card you make for yourself, and, and maybe not something that you read to them, but as you're going down for the sit-down, right, or you're about to make the call to even ask for permission, you're like, okay, here's how i got to go. i got to be tactful. I need to do the common sense, right? I must go into this helpful and forgiving, not feeling like this is a burden. Remind ourselves of the attitude we're supposed to carry. So the question of how also, let's not forget about the power of the home group we have joined yeah. and the experience that they have. Yeah. If I have a question, don't hesitate. You know, if I'm in a discussion meeting, if I have a sponsor or just a room full of people who have done this before me, you know, you know, don't, don't hesitate to, to find out, you know, what they suggest or what they did. Nothing makes me happy. I'm oh, sorry. God put these people in our lives that, that's that's going to God, in my opinion. God put incredible people in my life. So going to you guys is, is to me, the same thing. I was going to say, nothing makes me happier than if a sponsee says, how should I make this amend? And I have no experience with it. And I'm like, sometimes we'll try to talk it out and we'll figure out maybe together. But but I love when I can say, I don't, like, if Heather has something with her kids, I don't have kids. But I can say, We'll talk to Minor. She's got kids. She's been doing this a long time. See if she's got an angle. Pray on it. Pray on it. And go to someone that has some experience with it. So we talk about this page and the next page. Hate. These are the people we hated or had a resentment to. What have I done here also? I've given up my power here. And by making amends, I will receive my power back. Because I'm not looking over my shoulder any longer about these people that I've harmed in my past. And that goes through all my amends. You know, I'm walking down the street wondering, you know, I, gotta, I can't walk down that street anymore because I stole from that, that store or, or did that to that employer. 
I'm not looking over my shoulder anymore. I gave up my power. I'm going to get power back by making this amends, by clearing up the records of my past, by making, and I'm not going to talk about the financial because we're not in that part, <clears> but about <throat> these people that I hated or I have a resentment to, towards. The resentment is a disease. Remember that. So to re reiterate and to um, see what these guys always said, how free do we want to be? Yeah. Right? This is how we get Our free. work is down on the ground, right? Our heads are in the clouds, but our feet are on the ground. We have to walk around this earth and, and be, be free and do not hesitate to go anywhere. What am I willing to hold on to at the cost of my complete freedom? On Sunday, we were talking a lot about financial amends, and that's common. It's sort of safe in a group setting because I think everybody got a lot of, like, well, do I need to do this? Do I have to give that? How do I? And what I ask, and some of you guys heard me say this, what is the cost, what is the price for your integrity and your complete freedom? Ask yourself that. That 500 bucks you don't want to give back because it's going to be humiliating or embarrassing Maybe it's going to jeopardize your job. Is 500 bucks the cost of your integrity? We don't know how things are going to turn out. But it's stated in the book, a little bit hence, nine times out of ten the unexpected happens. Most of the time we're afraid how it's going to turn out and it turns out okay. What is the price of your soul? It's probably not that 500 bucks. So we started out at the beginning of this meeting talking about action, right? My sponsor used to tell me we act our way into right thinking. We don't think our way into right actions. And, you know, once we go through that fourth step, we uh, some of those people that we hate in going through that, that fifth step with somebody, we, we see how selfish we were. You know, for a long time, I, I, um, I couldn't stand my parents. I thought they were all wrong, you know, and, and then it, it dawned on me, you know, my parents loved me the only way that they were taught, totally. the only way they knew how. Um, and, and, you know, my parents really did love me. I'm not special enough for, for my mom to not love me, you hmm. know. Um, and it says our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. And and, mm -hmm. and that's what it's talking about. As, as we go into this work, I, I just did my uh, amends with my parents and I Crazy, amazing things are happening mm -hmm. um, with the dynamics in my family, and it's. Uh, but you didn't have the power to do that until you got to where you're at in the step work. Absolutely not. Even to see, I mean, I wouldn't talk to my parents. Exactly. You know, and, and today we talk every day. It's, yep, that's amazing. Penny has a great story about that. Penny does too. Yeah, yeah where's oh, Penny today? Twenty years. Uh, <laughs> she shared it last week, right? Yeah, yeah. she, she sure did. had a very early morning. Okay. So she's taking care. Of okay. Herself. Um, comments, guys. We got five minutes. Who is who has done their eight and nine, or is in their eight and nine, or about to start their? Oh, here comes Daniel with his book. All right, bro. All right, brother. Quiet, Daniel. Coming up, getting over those fears. That way, brother. Uh, Daniel, I'll call it. Hey, hey Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> this really makes sense in my head. I hope it uh, makes sense to you guys too. Um, when we were on 76, the bottom of 76, I read ahead um, before we covered it tonight, and let us be reassured, to some people we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. That's how I worked my steps the first time. I understand that we're talking about 8 9, but through the steps, my first go, no wonder I felt 
like I wanted more or I was missing something. I was completely missing the spiritual side of this program. Mm. And, uh, you know, and now I'm learning about like possibly dying from untreated alcoholism. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want that. And then we finally covered it tonight and we were, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, we're talking about amends. And what this reminds me of, uh, and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach, it reminds me of uh, not explaining to someone else what we do here. Not, not explaining, you know, what we do in Alcoholics Anonymous to mm -hmm. a normie, for example. I spent so much time trying to do that. Mm. And, uh, and um, yeah, that's all I got. Cool. Thank, Thank you, Daniel. Daniel. Good job. I'm going to only one minor cor language correction to something Daniel said. <laughs> Sorry, brother. There is no spiritual side to right. this program. I know, David, I, I'm Twitch too. The entire program is spiritual. That is our, guys, this please. Pro this program. This program. This now, what Daniel's describing feels like sides and has lacking. Meeting, meeting base sobriety. I was just listening to, it was not an AA one, but it's it sort of a physician podcast, and, and he's um. He, he does a lot of work with recovering people, and he said, six months into COVID, uh, Zoom started to fail everybody, and they started drinking and drugging again. Bullshit. And I thought, first I thought, not my experience, <laughs> nope. right? Not mine either. But, but I'm sure there were plenty of people who were coming to meetings who did a little Zoom, or we know one guy didn't want to do Zoom, and he, and he killed himself, a member of our society group. I'm sure there was a lot of other people like that. Why? Because they weren't into spirituality, they were showing up in meetings, sitting in a chair for 15 years, like Heather always says. I must do all the work, I must do all the steps, none of them are options. They are suggested as an entire program recovery that is one side of the triangle, and the other two are got to be a part of. That's really the easiest part, right? And that's the most fun part, being together. But the third part too, service, and the most important way to serve is to carry this message to other alcoholics in the 12th step, which is our obligation, as Minor always says. This entire equilateral, three-sided program is spiritual. But you will not have spirituality. I will not, sorry, trying to stay in the first person singular. I will not have spirituality if I just come to meetings. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You will not have freedom if yeah. you're only working one side or two sides of that triangle. It's balance. It's balance. If you want a balanced life in this recovery program, all have to be worked equally. The effort has to be put in. The action has to be put in. And that comes from somebody who occupied a seat in the rooms of AA for a lot of years. <laughs> lots and lots of years. How I didn't drink, I have mm. got to think for that. That's the only thing I can say. One side of the triangle, that's all I did. And today, I am free. Mm. I have that freedom. I live in the world of the spirit today, and it is a wonderful, amazing place to be. And this, this, is, this right here is what got me there. All of you are wonderful, human power, <laughs> okay? Service work is wonderful, human power, but getting to God through this text is what got me to that freedom. Mm. Freedom! So, to 
Back to Heather, she said this earlier on. Want to know how a good test to find out if you're really spiritually fit or enough? Get in the 10 line items or less line. And it's not about how many people, how much they have. Don't count how many things they have in their cart. That's how you know you're spiritually fit. If you're not counting how many the guy has in front of you, that's when you're spiritually fit. I'm hoping they put that test into the fifth edition, right? Ready to get the allergy test, the obsession test, and now the 10 items or less test. Yeah, stop counting the shit in the yeah. front. I don't care. They got 20, I don't care. All right, yeah. guys, so real quick, a preview for next week. Yay, Heather. Um, we're we're going to be going over the directions, you know. Um, I feel like Saturday meeting is where we talk about the the benefits that we're getting from doing this work, and this is the meeting that we figure out how to do it, and, and next week we're doing the directions. And, and, and I think we got to remember what we're doing this work for, right? Alcohol is our solution to that internal problem. This work right here is removing that internal problem that, that we drink for. I want to see this room more filled up. This is where the solution is, you know? Um, so invite all your friends. Tell everybody to get to this meeting. Um, it, this next stuff, man, we all listen to that, those speakers, and this stuff right here is powerful that we're talking about in the next couple weeks. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Come on up, Ruth. Go ahead, Ruth, please. I just wanted to... Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Ruth, and I'm an alcoholic. Ruth. Hey, Ruth. Um, I wanted to share about uh, amends I made to the father of my dog. The father of my daughter, yes. Um, and I and I did... I take your suggestion, David, and I told him, and I I, when I, made, I made my amends, and I you know, said what I was... Uh, making my amends for, and then I asked, you know, like, what did I do to you? Like, is there anything that I could, is there any way that I can make this better? And um, he came up with some stuff, and it was not good stuff. It was <laughs> stuff that I couldn't, couldn't do. And, um, and I kind of, for a minute there, I felt like I was doing it, I was inadequate. Like, I wasn't, I didn't do enough. Hmm. Um, I wasn't enough. But I talked to my sponsor about it, and I went back to the book, and I and I looked at this this step in depth, and and I realized, you know, I don't have to overthink it. It's simple. It's right there. Everything is right there. So yes. Um, one thing that I took away from this, and doing it in next in like doing it, doing more amends, is that. It is yes, it is personal, but I don't have to take it like super, super personal. And uh, it, it it can be simple. Yeah, so that's all I have. Thank you, Thank Ruth. You, Ruth. Thank you. Sorry, we're wrapping up. Third step yeah. prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Thank you guys. I'm even in. He's out of here now.